Welcome to Parent Driven Development. A quick reminder before we move into the show, we love to be able to provide you with this content and want to continue to be able to do so. We're on Patreon, would love your support. Most people just give $5 a month, which really helps us continue to do what we love to do and share it with all of you. Thank you for support. Now let's move on to the show. Hi, I'm Christopher Sexton, and today I'm here with my friend, Jess. Hey, I'm Jess, and I'm here with my friend, Kaywoo. Hey, I'm Kaywoo, and today we are here to talk about, to touch on at any rate, to talk about managing emotions like fear and stress that you feel as a parent. We are recording this at a time when there are some pretty intense current events going on, but even without that, you know, just all of 2020, but even before that, even before even before I ever considered that a global pandemic was a possibility, I know that for myself, I certainly felt myself go through a bit of that transformation from adult with, with no one depending on me to being responsible for future citizens of our society. And the world looks different with that responsibility on me, I would think. Absolutely. I, going back to when I was driving, my, you know, the firstborn home from the hospital and being terrified <laughs> about getting in the car like <laughs> yeah uh, like i feel like that's it's a defining characteristic of being a parent is being scared for the <laughs> those people that you created i remember that feeling exactly like i was driving with my kid in the back seat and i'm like oh crap i actually have to drive well now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, it's funny. Just I've certainly heard before that political and policy preferences wise, often in, in general, kids are not as as people get older, they tend to be a, become a bit more conservative than they were in their youth. And, you know, whether that's what my husband likes to say, reality has a conservative bias, that's his perspective, or if it's experience or just kind of the the aging process. I feel like that are, that is already a phenomenon that happens. And then children on top of that, where that whole saying of it's, it's your heart walking around outside of your body. Yeah, no, it really <laughs> and is. You just, I just, I feel like so much of the process of becoming a parent is just really the emotional challenges are so much being forced to face how little control I have in the world. Yeah, no, I really feel that. The thing that I'm really struck by right now is my decision-making process it has been radically different, I think, from my friends without children, like in terms of their risk tolerance, mm -hmm. uh, what they choose to do with their time. Like I have a high-risk partner, sure, but it's as much influenced about like, I don't want to get my kids sick or, you know, through my kid, get other people sick. I mean, it's just like, I have, I feel like I'm carrying around so much more burden than most of my friends. Yeah. And it's interesting how it plays with the evolution of the kids getting older. I'll definitely have conversation with colleagues and their kids are in different stages of their lives. You know, y'all's kids are in different stages than, than mine are. I've, Mine are older. I have high schoolers and middle schoolers. And that's a whole different set of concerns. And it definitely evolves. Like, you know, it goes from choking hazard being the, the biggest terror I can think of or SIDS or something like that to, you know, now I'm getting close to having to worry about kids driving or other kids driving my kids. And 
you know, just the kind of <laughs> the terror that comes in from that. And, you know, with kind of pandemic things, it's also like, you know, is it developmental problems? Are they socializing? Are they, if they do, do they expose them, you know, themselves to more things? Or if they go to, you know, some sort of sports practice, are they going to bring something, you know, is that too high of a risk or is it not? <laughs> and managing all that stuff is just mm. a huge amount of overhead. Are they making their own choices in terms of their risk tolerance with the pandemic and stuff? Or No, they're not. I am in a very lucky like age range. They don't drive yet. So they are kind of beholden in, in to, you know, my wife and I to be able to leave the house. There is like, we'll let our son go ride bikes with one of the kids from the neighborhood. And, you know, we have a bunch of rules about that and all the things that go with it. So there's a there's a tiny hint of it. But if if they were two years older, they would have a lot more freedom or or want to have a lot more freedom. And I have friends whose kids are that age <laughs> and I don't envy them in having to manage that or tell them no or let them make their own decisions. And if they were younger, it would be a lot more work, which I'm sure <laughs> y'all are very aware of. And so it's kind of this sweet spot of. I can tell them cook their own food and not worry about their health. And my biggest concern is, are they eating too much junk food and are just, you know, on screens for 20 hours a day yeah. versus, you know, going out and seeing people or stunting uh, mental development, that sort of thing. Yeah, I feel that the thing I think about a lot, I think, is like the sort of background level of anxiety that I've sort of just gotten used to living with. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like I don't even notice it anymore, but... I don't know. <laughs> Some sort of anxiety tinnitus. Just that constant screech in your ears. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're telling me that doesn't reduce. <laughs> well, it for for me, it, like the the growth it's it's like always improving. The things that I worry about, the amount of work and the type of work is is really because it's not necessarily like less work or less stress. It's just it's changed. It moved into things that I that fit in to my personality and I can manage better. I don't know. It, it seems a lot like when the kids were really little and I wanted to go to work so I could just, you know, do work all day. It was it was like relaxing, yeah. even though I was busy and rushing around and doing things. But I had much better endurance for that sort of thing. Yeah, my uh, sense is that with the, like the different age of your kids and the stages they go through that, like right now it is a lot of, you know, we are still in the choking hazard falling down the stairs mm -hmm. like you know very physical type dangers my kids world there it's a bit smaller and i can try to improve the environment when possible but i anticipate it sounds like as they get older like all of the intellectual and emotional development things i go through like i i think i was watching some movie of the day and was just thinking like oh man like the first time I, my kids will get their hearts broken in a romantic relationship of some kind, right? And you just, you want to be able to just take that pain on for them, but it's a thing that they're going to go through at some point. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you just like live with that fact, knowing that. And I feel like for me, it's, it's this rough contradiction at times of practicing, like, okay, I'm aware. And I like try to read up on, all the things that are just like, okay, here are all the downsides of being a helicopter parent and, you know, your kids need that independence and falling is how you learn in the future, like how not to fall and resiliency and all that sort of stuff. But the urge to, to just help them skip past all of that is so strong. Mm. 
You know, there's, I think, maybe a particular kind of anxiety that I'm struggling with right now. So my kid is almost six, and he's getting to this point where he can start to understand systems. And a lot of people have been gifting him programming toys. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'm a programmer. I should be a natural at teaching him how to program and understand the world in systemic ways. And so far, he's just like, eh, it's a robot, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like trying to get him interested in like logo <laughs> or like anything. And he's just like, no. And so now I'm like, am I doing a bad job as like a programmer parent? <laughs> I, I So I went through almost the exact same thing. And both kids were different. I feel like we're veering a little bit off topic. But but I, I, I thought it was really interesting. Like my daughter was, was super into the hardware and she wanted to touch and see the things being built. And she was happy to solder and do things and was 100% uninterested if you had to look at a screen to do anything. And my son was the opposite. Like if, if he could do it on a screen, it didn't matter what it was. He just wanted to do that. I don't know why. I don't think I took different approaches, but you know, I'm sure things were different and it's just what clicked. And it was also a timing thing especially when they're little and I, you know, still group six (laughs) into the little operating the user input is really hard. And like, you're spending all your time trying to get them to push the right button on a keyboard or, or click the mouse somewhere. Or then they get an iPad and it's just completely intuitive. And I don't know how they even learned it. (laughs) Continuing on this live conversation, I guess the, the, there has been a point where sometimes we, my three-year-old is getting into the phase of like, being really into looking at pictures and videos of himself on our phone. So we, we allow it occasionally. And just watching him is definitely an interesting UX research session, I guess, where he's just like, isn't it? He's, he's trying to swipe. And then like, sometimes like that there's not enough consistency in the results of his different actions or for him to like make that connection. I remember trying to like figure out like when they were first going to write some actual like code with like characters as opposed to, you know, scratch. I was like, I need to figure out like which editor would be the most intuitive. And they don't have all the baggage that normal, you know, adults would come to it. Like say, click the save icon doesn't mean a thing to them. And it was, it was kind of amazing. Like how much more barrier to entry you were facing with, with using the, some of the like easier to use tools. So you taught them VI, right? (laughs) (laughs) I taught my son, but he thought writing on the command line was super cool. And I just did only command line for a while. And then eventually I was like, all right, kid, this is what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) And all my coworkers gave me a real hard time. (laughs) So back to our our topic of like the fear and anxiety. I'm curious for the stage where y'all's kids are like right now, like what's, what's the big one? You know, that, that screen thing that you mentioned is a really big one for both me and my ex. Like our son is getting a lot of screen time right now. And there's all these studies about like how it warps the developmental brain. And, you know, maybe he's getting to an age where that's less of a thing, but I don't know. It's just not an option not to have screen time now. Mm -hmm. And like, frankly, he said to me over winter break, he's like, I don't care what I'm doing as long as it's on a screen, just like your son, Chris. Yeah, it sounds it's, they, they could hang out yep that's right <laughs> so he's just like i just love screens and i'm like is have i failed i don't know a lot of work has gone into making them very appealing mm-hmm. it's true it's so fast the like i watch my three-year-old and and even the the baby you know she's nearby she's 
14, 15 months almost. And just like the, the glow, like they are moths to a flame. Yeah. With even just a little screen. And I do feel like that's one of the kind of defining parental angst topics of our time. And like what you said, Kewu, about the, like the selfie thing, like mm-hmm. my kid mm-hmm. loves, like he saw Snapchat once to play with the filters and he's just been asking for it ever since, even though we've disabled it and taken it away. Cause I don't know, Snapchat's kind of, yeah. but still, it's just like every time he has the opportunity to put a filter on, he loves it. It's like his most favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I dread the, like, I guess you could try, like, if you're really trying, you can try to hold out until middle school or so nowadays, I hear for social media for kids like that. Just, oh my God, my kids going on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I'm trying not to think about it. So just to not borrow ahead of time, but it's looming. Yeah. And the and body image stuff. It's like, oh God. Yeah. I felt a lot stronger about platforms like Instagram versus, you know, pretty much all the rest of them because of things like the body image or the, the, the skewed perspective into other people's lives of it, you know, looking perfect and screwing up expectations of how your life is supposed to be or how you're supposed to look in all of these things. You know, I'd, I'd rather Snapchat, which is, you know, throw away. Nobody spends a lot of time editing and, and touching up, uh, you know, every aspect of their life to make their every dinner that they ever have look perfect. Because <laughs> I worry about that. Like, I don't want my kids getting into that and thinking that they're, you know, living a crummy life because it doesn't live up to what, you know, clearly every every other person on the planet is, is living. Have you seen them start to get into that or be affected by that? Not really. We've We've been very open and we had a rule of no Facebook or Instagram until you were 13. That was the that was the house rule. We did let them go on other platforms. They were on Twitter very early, you know, and didn't really use it. <laughs> so it turned out to be a non a non issue. And you know, we use iMessage for all like all family communication now. But once my daughter was old enough, and I was like, "You're allowed to. You just you just have to ask." She's like, "Nah, her friends weren't on on Facebook or or Instagram at that point. It was." They'll communicate either through text or Snapchat. They like TikTok now. That's that's the platform that they use. But of all of them, like for based on on content, like what they're what they're seeing and consuming. So ignoring privacy data, other concerns. <laughs> I'm actually very happy with that. And you know, I make sure we've had lots of talks about what you share, what you post. And for the most part, they just don't. And they just kind of lurk and look at other things and you know, we've gotten to a point where we can trust them to consume responsibly, you know, with some oversight. <laughs> yeah, I guess going back to your question about more current worries that I think about a lot, our younger one is getting a lot more mobile and disruptive at times, especially when my older one is is into, he's, he got a bunch of new jigsaw puzzles for Christmas. And... I guess this is not, I think we have a good enough handle on it so far. Knock on wood, we've been lucky that I'm not actively worrying about it so much, but that, that sibling relationship and trying to help foster a healthy and fair one is. What's the age gap between, between your two? Oh yeah. Just about two years, slightly over. It's like two years and three months or something. Yeah. That's, that's almost, we're like two years and a month, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So very, very similar. I'm actually really happy with that age gap and dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not to say they don't drive, drive. My sister's and I, and I were insane. 
my sisters and I were all two years apart and it seemed yeah. to work out pretty well for us. Yeah, you know, I the 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 classic one on this is that siblings without rivalry book, which I highly recommend for any listener who may have not have gotten to that just yet. <laughs> I I do describe myself at times as as slightly hate reading a lot of parenting books, <laughs> <laughs> which is perhaps a topic for another episode. But that one is good. And one thing that really struck me about that ever since I read it and I'm reflecting on is it was it was actually a lot of they were leading like a parenting class discussion group uh, talking about sibling rivalry topics about and a lot of it was actually those parents reflecting on their own childhoods and sibling relationships and things that they still feel some trauma that they're trying to heal from or just things that you look at now as an adult of oh yeah that was certainly well-intentioned to be really fair but it wasn't what those kids needed and that's in general, like a topic I think about often of, you know, there, there, there have to be some, if not now, then in the future where what my kids really need may not be something I'm capable of fully providing. If I just don't notice it, don't miss it, or like, I don't have the emotional maturity or growth to be able to handle it. We're lucky enough on the material resources that that's okay for now, at least, but Obviously, that's a concern for many, many folks. Like, what do you Um, mean? Like, what comes to mind? So the book would talk a lot about kind of like, is it that book or maybe some other threads? Like, I was reading a thread just yesterday about families with three kids and like, how do you try to avoid middle child syndrome where the middle child is is always, always has to be the peacemaker and is forgotten. And a lot of the advice was like, oh, make sure to carve out one-on-one time with each of your children, even if it's not that often necessarily weekly, monthly, whatever you can do, even just bringing them one-on-one with you along on errands like that, that makes such a huge difference in having the attention of the parent at that time. So I was just thinking about that sometimes where I have been trying so hard to be really present a lot of times for the kids, but like, I also just get really tired tired of being present (laughs) like I need to just zone out now and be by myself and I also have learned that my needs or preferences for quiet time and alone time are just like they've got to be pretty high percentile you know I'm just so frequently like oh my god I, I I love you all you are the lights of my lives like can we just stay in different rooms in the same house? Go away. <laughs> with headphones on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, kids are also kind of geared to to try to soak up, like, as much attention as you can give them. And if I hit a limit with that for my own, you know, just like for my own mental health capacity, I hope that they'll still be okay. You know, like, it's just, you know that you're going to make mistakes as yeah. a parent. And so... I, I sit around hoping that it, it will be mistakes that they won't need too, too much therapy to recover from eventually, you know? I feel so guilty telling my son to play by himself. You know, it's just like... It's important, though. Right. And I know that, yeah. but it's like, oh, I feel like I'm breaking his heart, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, we've crossed the, the line to the... Everyone goes to their room or hides in a corner and you won't see them unless you force people to interact and part of that is just you know teenagers what they'll do it's also 
our house, there's myself and both kids are introverts and my wife is not. And so she's, she has this deficit where she needs social interaction to get that energy, you know, to function. And we're perfectly happy just ignoring each other. And we're like texting each other memes and th- and like, that's our social interaction. And she's just like, what come hang out in the kitchen. I don't care. Like I need to be around people. And it's, it, it definitely has taken swings. I feel that. <laughs> My son and yeah, I are both I'm, extroverts, I'm... thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be careful about, you know how like when, when you want to vent a little bit about the young child care issues or just attention demanding. And, and there's always, there's always some well-meaning extended family or friends with older kids who are just like, Oh, treasure it now. Like it'll pass before you know it. All of that kind of vein of things. And I'm like, okay, no, they mean really well. But I also at the same time, like the way I just feel is you know, sometimes I do wish I could push fast forward on some of these phases. If that were I, right. <laughs> I like my kids better every, you know, every year. <laughs> Like it just, it just is consistently gotten better. So hopefully that doesn't backfire at some point. Yeah, no, it does go by fast in hindsight. However, it sucked and I was exhausted (laughs) and I just wanted to go to sleep and could everyone just leave me alone. (laughs) Uh, And that wasn't during a global pandemic. So, you know. So this is the part of the show where we go through genius fails and we talk about something on the last week or two that has either worked really well or maybe didn't work really well. Does anybody want to go first? I have a fail. We just moved to a new house and we, I think it will be a week today that we officially fully moved in. So out of the last six or seven nights, more than half of them, I mean, our, so our process with our three-year-old has always been like he he has such FOMO, like he does not like going to sleep. He'll just sit there and sob like, I don't want to go to sleep. I want to stay awake. Just, you know. So in order to like not engage and make it into a whole power struggle there, like we usually actually just like, okay, I can't make him go to sleep. Uh, I can't enforce the boundary that he needs to stay in his room and like we're out of the like a bedtime routine last story like ends by a certain time and then we're out and then you know he's free to read or play a little bit and then most of the time we'll end up like crawling into his crib or bed at some point but you know sometimes just falls asleep like face down on the carpet right as he was playing so and it's usually been fine but I think in this new house the combination of the new environment and also like I'm learning how the house heats a little bit and I'm, 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 it is a bit, I'm half been keeping it a bit colder at night. Like he's been waking up, you know, kind of that one, one or two sleep cycles in like an hour, an hour and a half after he initially falls asleep, just like sobbing, really afraid, like kind of inarticulate about whether it was a bad dream or he was really startled. And I just, I've been feeling really awful about it. It's, it's been, you know, maybe four nights in a row of this lately and I'm not totally sure. There's, I did change the thermostat settings to keep it a little bit warmer, but there, there were a couple nights when I went in to comfort him a little bit. He's just like his whole little body was like shaking. I couldn't tell. Like some of it was cold, maybe, and some of it was fear, and I felt terrible. 
<laughs> that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels like it lasts for so long. <laughs> yeah, no, and I just was like, oh my god, he just... I feel so bad that he feels that bad in that moment. Right. He's, he's resilient. He'll, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay in the future. He's just, yeah, gotta get through it. But but it breaks your heart, problem. doesn't it? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I guess I have kind of a genius. My kid's always, I think, been a fairly adventurous eater. Like, he really likes broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cool. <laughs> so take this with a grain of salt. But I don't know. He's, like, really loved barbecue sauce forever because, like, every kid loves barbecue sauce, right? <laughs> it's basically sugar. And I don't know. He was here over winter break, like I was mentioning, and... I don't know, for some reason, I pulled out balsamic vinegar and I was like putting it on some spinach that I'd given him to try to entice him. And normally he likes spinach well enough, but I'm like, maybe a little bit extra. And I, I was like, do you want to try this? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. All right, cool. And so I put it on there and then he ended up dipping everything into the balsamic. And he was like, I love this so much more than barbecue sauce. <laughs> and I was like, really? And to the point where when he went back to my ex's house, he was like, where's the balsamic vinegar? And she didn't have any. <laughs> and he was really pissed. And I'm like, all right, dude, like this is healthier for you. So go for it. Go to town. But he's like, he's like dipping sweet things into it too. Like cookies. He was dipping it into the balsamic and loving it. I'm like, dude, go to town. This is your jam. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I need to, I need to take, take, take his lead. Cause like, I forget that I like, balsamic vinegar like i it's just not a condom i've been in the habit of reaching towards but it is really good on right? lots of things it is <laughs> i have one that i i think is a genius although there was there was there were some downsides to it i can i can share the link and we can put it in the notes but i was just scrolling through the internet and stumbled across a recipe for something called butter dip biscuits and i think it was like 10 p.m and i'm like and i asked my wife, I'm like, do we have, you know, do we have buttermilk? Do we have flour? Do we have, you know, baking soda? And and when I went through all the ingredients, we had everything. And I was like, I'm making these now. So I made them. And I, once I, I got them going and got them in the oven, I think one of the kids was actually asleep. <laughs> the other one wasn't quite asleep yet, but I woke them up and brought them downstairs because we were going to have midnight biscuits. That part was fun, although they were like super out of it and drowsy. But it was this fun, like, good family bonding late night where totally random cooking stuff, you know, stuff. Uh, my wife, who's a baker and very good at it, was making fun of me for for the approaches I was taking and, and you know, how everything was going down. And then it came out and they were really delicious and it was great. And so that was fun. That was just after getting back from holiday break from school. <laughs> so they had school the next day and they were all real tired and cranky. So backfired a little bit, but I'd do it again. Dude, now I want some midnight biscuits. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'll send you the link for for this recipe. It took like 20 minutes total. Amazing. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, like drooling. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. That sounds really sweet. I, I love the ideas of <laughs> my family didn't really do that sort of thing, but I'm looking forward to the the people talk so fondly about when their when their parents would let them just like randomly stay home from school one day and they would all just hang out and like really treasure those childhood moments over the break we we had there was one night my wife was real tired and went to bed and while she was going up up she's like nobody have any more fun without me (laughs) and so and we were playing we were playing board games and then 
you know, a couple hours after that, I was hungry and we went and raided the refrigerator from like leftover taco meat and made some of the best nachos ever. And then, of course, the first thing the kids told her in the morning was we had midnight nachos. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) You betrayed me. (laughs) Wow. Thanks so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash parentdrivendev, or rate us on iTunes. Thanks so much.